Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January the 13th, 2020, and we are reading from the big book on page 82, the second paragraph, if we have no such complications. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Anita B., 12 Traditions, Vicki V., and readers of the text, Lisa B., Russ M., and Jen A. The reference numbers for Sunday, January the 12th, special edition, 13959. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Anita B. here from New Jersey. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to the compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Anita B. And Vicki V. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you for your service and for everybody else that's helping out this morning. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. Have a lovely day. Thank you, Vicki B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we're on page 82, the second paragraph, if we have no such complication, and we're reading and sharing on that one paragraph only. Lisa B., could you start us off, please? Yes, good morning. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A. If we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents for years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patients mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Have this not been, had this not been so, so many of us would have no homes today, would, be, would perhaps be dead. Um, I like the word home. I, I, it's used twice, home and homes. And 
that is the place where one lives permanently. And a synonym for home is at ease and at rest. And I was never at home in myself. Um, I felt truly like a foreigner in my world and in my life and in my body. And I shockingly treated people um, because I had no clue of how to do anything. I had no clue of how to live life. I only knew how to demand that my needs be met. And what I get from this paragraph is, and there is a solution. It says, we feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes. So getting abstinent, getting sober is just the beginning. And the food, the alcohol is only a symptom of a greater problem, a spiritual malady. Um, it says in the big book from in many places that our behavior will convince them more than our words. The other thing um, I like from this reading is shockingly treated. So I, when someone would do something wrong to me, it was like unbelievable. Like this is terrible and I would never want to let it go and I would want to talk about it and get everyone to understand how wrong I had been treated. But when I would do something wrong to someone, I would say, well, just like get over it. It's no big deal. I would always minimize it. Well, often, often I would minimize it. So that's this thing that, you know, the memory that comes to me. Um, the other thing is the tremendous expectations I've placed on others demanding perfection, that they take care of my needs, that they be right, that they be right and on point, you know, for me and my world and my life. Just the way I have shockingly treated others, you know, is what comes to me in this reading. There's a few things I want to share. Um, my alignment with my higher power has brought me home. You know how we say welcome home, and that's what I wanted to say, you know, welcome home when newcomers come on, welcome home. I have found my way home through these 12 steps. I am comfortable in my own skin, but I can't be a person of just words. You know, I have got to show them through my actions. It says that my very life, my very life depends on my constant thought of others. Um, let's see here. Oh, the other thing is uh, it talks about in working with others that I need to show them that I can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does. So not when things are just going easy in my way. You know, it's easy to be sober, considerate, and helpful. But when people are, in my opinion, aggravating, when things are not going my way, that's the selfishness in me. I want things my way. I need to show them through my actions and behaviors. I can't do any of this on my own. That's why I have to Time, do the steps and get connected with my higher power and get that direction and help with the steps and an abstinence. With that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you very much, Lisa B. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Nessa R. Peggy H, Arizona. This is Larry K. Sandra S. Barbara P. Anita B. 
Great. That's wonderful. Thank you. I think we have our lineup now. I have Nessa R, Peggy H, Larry K, Sandra S, Barbara P, and Anita P. Nessa R, could you start us off, please? Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I love this sentence, the elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. For me, it contains three um, very important instructions. And the first instruction is the word elimination, which means complete removal or destruction of something. So complete, meaning 100%. Um, so uh, as an example, if I'm allergic to sugar, which I happen to be, sugar and all sweeteners, um, I have to eliminate it completely. No traces, no small amounts, nothing. 100% gone from my diet. Otherwise, I'm going to be reawakening the, uh, the allergy every time I ingest it. So, so saying something like, well, it's, an, it's, in, it's impossible to avoid sugar, so I'm not going to eat sugar if it's in the first five ingredients. Um, that's like somebody with a peanut allergy saying, uh, well, you know, it has traces of peanuts, but I think that I should be okay with that. And then they're wondering why they're running out of EpiPen. You know, um, it's, it's the same thing. If I'm allergic to something, it has to be eliminated 100% completely, you know, promptly and without regret, as the, as the big book says um, regarding step four. Um, the uh, other instruction is in the phrase, but a beginning. So, this tells me, number one, that it is a beginning. It's a prerequisite. If I don't have uh, entire um, complete abstinence, the complete elimination of my allergens, um, I can't do anything. Like, that has to be the beginning. But the fact that it is, and that's, that's the second instruction. The third instruction is that the word but, uh, meaning it is not the end. It is only a beginning. Uh, and so what is the end? The end is the solution. Um, a, a close relationship with God that will provide me with the only sense of ease and comfort that I need, that I will not need to seek refuge in the food for sense of ease and comfort. So, so um, you know, if I pursue abstinence only, in the end, I'm not even going to, to have abstinence. Uh, if I pursue the solution, if I pursue recovery, uh, which brings me to a uh, an amazing relationship with God, then um, I will have uh, what I've always wanted, which is a very good life, which is actually what I have found now after following these three uh, very simple instructions, eliminate 100% my allergens, become entirely abstinent as a prerequisite, and work the steps so that I can reach my goal, which is, which is God. Um, and uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Peggy H., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Please go ahead, Peggy. Thank you. Yeah, this is Peggy H. from Arizona. Um, the word that really popped out to me this morning is the word plenty. Um, I've read it many times, but um, why that popped out to me today is because I've noticed in my life, in my recovery, with those that I love, with my life at home, particularly, um, sometimes at work, but, but more, more at home, um, I seem to have this line that I draw in the sand. Um, you know, I see myself um, trying to make good on 
my past and um, either either consciously or subconsciously, I, I seem to draw this line and I tend to think, okay, that's, that's good. I've done, I've done well. Um, you know, where's mine now? And, um, you know, the idea of plenty <laughs> seems um, a little bit more open-ended there. Um, and then it goes on to say, um, uh, but he is yet a long way from making good. <laughs> so um, a long way, you know. And again, there's an open-ended um, meaning in that. You know, it's it's not my job to determine um, when I'm done making good because the reality is I'm never going to be done, you know. Um, the my higher power is is um infinite in his goodness and vast in his grace and unending in his love and i'm called to do the same so um i i think ness are alluded to this you know if i'm uh if i'm just stuck on staying sober if i'm my focus is on okay, I'm going to be abstinent today, and um, that's my job. You know, it becomes very self, self-absorbing because I'm, and it doesn't work. You know, it's, it's a double whammy. Um, the only way that I can continue to stay sober is to be a gift of self to others, and, um, and that's when sobriety starts to come with, with, with greater ease when I'm when I'm out of myself and it's amazing to me how I can just bring a bring back my abstinence to um selfish motivation so to speak so anyway once again the big book just pops open in a new way and I thank you all for being here and I pass thank you Peggy H Larry K it's your turn followed by Sandra S please go ahead Larry Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, appreciate the comments from everybody. Yeah, we, we learn in these paragraphs that sobriety alone isn't enough. Um, I remember when sobriety and abstinence alone, I thought perhaps that's what we're after here. Maybe that. Hey, Larry, we lost you. Press star one, Larry. Up oh, there you oh, are. There we are. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, Lynn, sobriety is not enough. Uh, it's it's. I used to think that, um, you know, maybe this is as good as it gets, I, um, and it, it wasn't. There were other dimensions that I would be exposed to. I always want to remember why I'm engaging in these spiritual actions found in the twelve steps, because the moment that I see these steps as only a means to a selfish end the moment I begin to lose sight of my greater purpose, you know, invariably for someone like me, I'm going to lose steam and I'm going to derail myself and I'm going to sabotage myself. You know, for the compulsive overeater, my me motives are not just unhelpful. See, for for me, my, my me motives can indeed be deadly. And there's only one underlying 
underlying purpose for devoting ourselves to this practical program of action. And it's found on page 77. We, we, they couldn't be more clear. It says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So it wasn't just about putting the food down. And that's the whole, that's the whole deal. You know, I'm reminded that Dr. Jung, he intimated in some of his writings that these synchronistic events that unfold are not magic at all. Rather, they're merely an outer manifestation of an underlying intelligence or access to a power behind the world of appearances. And that's why, you know, wild animals, I read recently, they're, they're rarely killed during a tsunami. They're, they're more in touch with the wholeness of a deeper intelligence. So they, they sense the, the tsunami's approach long before it could be seen or heard, and then they get to higher ground. And, you know, so I mean, even the, the smartest uh, wild boar cannot analyze and synthesize information like a child, a human child of eight. Yet that animal has figured out how to survive a deadly storm, and I, I can't. And because the, the, the notion of selfishness and self-centeredness is not a part of that, of that pig's uh, existence, it's foreign to them. They don't need corrective steps to give them access to a deeper intelligence. I mean, even a monkey will never eat himself to death, and yet I do. So when I take these, these spiritual actions with humble detachment from the outcome, what begins to unfold for me is a, a deeper connectedness that our minds cannot fully understand. Um, just wrapping up here. Time, Ron. please. Thanks. Yeah, just wrapping up here. So, you know, with, the, with this greater purpose, um, maybe someday I'll be as spiritually as smart as, as that wild boar, but I, I, I couldn't understand the dimensions that would be available, and I have to have the right purpose in pursuing this program. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Sandra S., it's your turn, followed by Barbara P. Please go ahead, Sandra. Good morning to all of my fellows. This is Sandra S., a compulsive overeater in Oklahoma. And thank everyone for their service. I this paragraph is just right on time for me. I spent uh, yesterday in uh, reminiscing and thinking of my mother. She would have been 86 yesterday and passed 20 years ago from complications as a compulsive overeater, which she was not aware of uh, that particular allergy of the body and and and. Uh, obsession of the mind. But my complete thoughts this morning are when I go back, and for some reason I have been going back thinking about what it was that I was like before I started this glorious program and the things and the tolerant uh, uh, things that my mother put up with me, my goodness, the patience of mothers and parents passes, surpasses all understanding. And I go back and I am now able to remember because while I've been high on sugar, I couldn't remember that I had done anything. I I was okay. I never bothered anybody. But now that my mind, the clarity of mind and thought and vision is there and going back and thinking, oh my, how, how could I have done that? How did I get through? How did I make it? And I say now that if it had not been for God on my side, where would I be? So in my thoughts, in my uh, essence of spirituality, I go back and I apologize to my mom and and I've made amends with her uh, because she and herself 
was killing herself with food, something was eating her, and that whatever that was, which I'm aware of, is uh, has something that went on through to the rest of us. I just lost a brother, 55, due to the allergy of the body last year. And I'm just grateful and thankful for this program that I'm able to recognize some things and see some things and in hopes that what other amends that I need to continuously make to my children uh, for some of the things that I have done as a parent uh, that had this disease and not in my right mind or right way of life and some of the actions or decisions or comments that I have made. Um, I'm a long way away from making good to my children. My grandchildren, it's not so bad, but I will include them. Because once I have awakened, it, it's, just, it's just been an amazing run, an amazing journey, an amazing spiritual experience. And it is something that I want to continue to do and will always be thankful to this program, to my fellows, to those that share, to those that assist me in realizing where it is that I need to go. And it's more than just continuing to be abstinent from sugar and white flour and food and compulsive eating. I have more to do than just that. And so as I embark upon my journey on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, minute to minute, uh, looking at and being trepidatious in my steps uh, to be sure that I am being uh, who it is that God has made me to be and who he has shedding off that chrysalis has been an amazing event. With that, I am going to pass, and thank you. And thank you, Sandra S. Barbara P., it's your turn, followed by Anita P. Please go ahead, Barbara. Good morning. This is Barbara P. in Atlanta, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And uh, this reminder that there is plenty we should do at home. Um, is really important because it is. Sometimes I start, you know, I think about when I, I started losing weight, I got entirely abstinent and my world started opening up and I, I lost weight and I, you know, so all of those things and I was feeling great and I just couldn't figure out why everyone else wasn't, you know, so happy with me as I was. Uh, you know, and this is just this really good, healthy reminder because I got to remember, you know, I may not have done, you know, I think, well, the alcoholic is out there getting arrested and getting DWIs and all of this. You know what I did? I withdrew. I, I was hiding my eating. I was hiding my body. I was depressed. Um, and I was just angry. I was angry almost all the time. I didn't show it. I had a smile on my face. I would show up, but I was just seething angry with myself at what I was doing, with what, everything that was happening, and then, of course, at my family. So, you know, that's what they were living with. So now, okay, great, I get this program, I'm feeling good, I'm learning to behave differently, and I really am. How I show up for my family is completely different today. But the reality is they don't trust that, you know, necessarily right away. So it isn't like, you know, just get over it. You guys should be happy. Everything's fine now. That would be really, um, again, self-centered on my part to think, well, I feel better, so you should. So really how I show up for my family, and I'm finding that it works 
to, this isn't just at home, but this is in every world that I lived in. It's going to take, and they remind us, um, it's, he, he is yet a long way from making good. And I feel like that. I don't, you know, I just feel like a day at a time, my job description now is to show up in the way that I'm learning to show up. And somebody said it recently, my first thought is not always uh, good, but, you know, my second, or I'm not always responsible for my first thought, but I am responsible for my second thought and my actions. So I work on those today. Anyway, thanks so much. Great reminder today, and I love the shares. I pass. And thank you, Barbara P. And Anita P., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Anita. Hi, this is Anita B. from New Jersey. Um, Yeah, this paragraph spoke to me so loudly this morning. Uh, You know, um, this is where I'm at. Um, And it's funny, they were talking about finances and amends uh, the other day, and I realized, you know, I used to take money out of my mom's wallet. And, you know, I just figured she always knew. I don't really know if she knew. I know I need to, like, let her know that that's what I did. So, you know, this first sentence, you know, there's so much more to do. Um, I think there'll always be more to do, and I'm pretty grateful for that because that means I'll need to work the program every day. And I'm so grateful that those little reminders of taking money out of her wallet are there for me to remind me that I need to work this program every day. You know, I'm I'm a long way, so uh, and I have a long way to go. So, um, you know, in order to stay abstinent and to keep this way of life uh, I will continually be doing work and I'm grateful for that grateful to be reminded of that Um, you know I wouldn't wouldn't be where I am today hadn't all those people put up with me especially my husband who I've been with longer than I've been not with and um, my family my children my my parents my my sisters all of them So uh, I'm just grateful today to be able to be clear enough to hear this message and take it with me today. Uh, So wishing everyone an abstinent and wonderful day, and thanks for letting me share. And thank you, Anita B. For those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page 82, the second paragraph, if we have no such complication. And we're reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. So I'd like to uh, encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. And please say your name just once. It helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Vasa O. M. Okay, I heard Vasa O and Joe M. There were two other people. Elise N. Elise, I heard you. Leslie W. And somebody W. Leslie W. Thank you, Leslie. Anyone else? Maria S. Okay. Dorita P. That's great. Okay, I have our next lineup. Thank you very much. Vasa O. Joe M. Elise N, Leslie W, Marie S, and Dorita P. Please go ahead, Vasa. 
Thank you, Lynn, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered compulsive Vida, calling from Florida. And uh, sometimes we have, we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. When I came to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, I learned I had been struggling, suffering from um, eating disorder or compulsive overeating called um, a, a disease. And uh, I had no clue what, I mean, I know I was into the food and trying to put it up, you know, upstairs do this and that, but it never worked. But finally, there was a name for it. And I was just so, so relieved. At least now I know what it is, and they said the solution is here, and if we follow the steps, if we do what, we, what the 100 people did before, we, before I came, and, they'll be, so they, and I'll be freed from the food addiction. And that is really so true. That has worked for me. But what I needed to do, I needed to put the, the sugar down, and I did like 100%. I went cold turkey. It was horrible going through the withdrawals. And I end up white flour. And I remember thinking, how am I going to do this for the rest of my life? And I remember my sponsor said, no, we only do this one meal at a time, one day at a time. Well, I, you know, hearing what alcoholics and drug addicts, they get the crawling, crawlers on their, on their crawlings, on their skin. And that's what I was experiencing. And I, 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 it was just horrible going through. I wanted to throw myself on the floor and cry like a little baby. I wanted my sugars. I've been so addicted to the sugars. I would cook for my family all these wonderful good meals, but I didn't want to eat them. I would be going into the sugars. So I had no understanding. Once I learned, and I, it was the beginning for me. That was the beginning, just putting the, the sugars down and being abstinent. And my sponsor said, you have to work the rest of the 12 steps the, the way they laid out. Otherwise, you're going to go back into the food. And I'm, I was willing and ready not to go back into the food and my family, they didn't know when my husband didn't know what kind of wife he's going to come to when he came home from work. I could have been happy. I could have been angry. I could have been complaining. So I was so unpredictable. But that is my time. I am so grateful. Keep coming. It works if we work it. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, Joe M., it's your turn, followed by Elise N. Please go ahead, Joe. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. I'm Joe M. from Cedar Hills, Utah. Very, very grateful to hear the shares and to participate in the call this morning. I love this paragraph implying not only change in behavior, but restitution. Uh, I received my big book in the mail on Saturday. I'm just getting started and have been astonished at hearing the calls. Uh, My sponsor challenged me to be on a call every day, and thus far I have with the exception of yesterday, and I continue to uh, be amazed at the, the shares and the experiences that you all have. 
Um, I am grateful to read today or, or having heard the paragraph read, understanding that abstinence and change is only a part of the process. And what I read from this chapter is an opportunity that I have in making a change to become abstinent, to give back. And I, I love that concept. Our wives, our children who have patiently borne the effects uh, of overeating, at least in my case, uh, will be rewarded hopefully by my turning around and then serving them. The, the OA concept is thus far for me very amazing because we recognize that without the help of a higher power, we are having a difficult time uh, changing. And so my process thus far in the last two weeks has, has been remarkable, recognizing that I cannot do it alone. And my intention is to continue to change and then to let the effects of those change assist those around me in a positive way. And I just want to express, again, gratitude for all of you. I feel like I'm now involved in a community that really cares that is setting a proper example and using your experiences to help me and encourage me that I can make these changes. So thank you all. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Joe M. And Elise N., it's your turn, followed by Leslie W. Please go ahead, Elise. Hi, um, this is Elise N., <clears throat> and uh, thank you for your service, for everybody for being here. Um, I guess I just wanted to talk about this idea. Um, you know, I've heard people say abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception, and I think, um, you know, when I was at the, the convention, I heard a speaker say, you know, that abstinence is step zero. Um, the food has to be down, um, but that's only the first step, that's only a symptom of the issue. It's like when they say in the big book that, you know, saying, you know, now I'm sober, look at me. It's like a, it's like saying, look, mom, you know, look, the tornado stopped blowing through the house. You know, you still have all the debris from the tornado. Um, and I um, am, you know, really, I, I just wanted to share with you an experience I had because it was so exciting to me. I was walking down the street. I had a new dress on because it was our holiday. And I saw somebody who babysat for my daughter. And she said, wow, you look like a different person. You know, 80 pounds will do that to a person, but whatever. And she said, and you are glowing. And I was thinking, I used to think like, okay, that's the absent globe, but it's more than that. It was, I was it was my holiday. I had just ended a meal a little bit early so I could walk to a meeting. And I just, it's a glow from know, knowing, doing the right thing. You're doing the next right thing. I'm not walking to get my next fix. I'm not focusing on the food at the table. But I know that I'm, I'm here to serve God and others. That's what I'm doing. And just knowing that I'm doing that, 
that's what was causing that blow. And um, that's where I think this program is supposed to lead me. So um, with that, I'll pass, and thanks for listening. Bye. And thank you, Elise N. Leslie W., it's your turn, followed by Marie S. Please go ahead, Leslie. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share. This is Leslie W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. And I had to share on this paragraph. I I just felt compelled because this is something that I have a lot of experience with. Um, you know, um, in 2015, um, before I came to Vision, um, I had um, a, a four-year-old and I had a one-year-old baby. And um, my husband sat me down at the kitchen table <clears throat> and said, I don't like who you are. I don't want to be around you. I'm here, but I'm not really here. Um, and I was angry, overwhelmed, and in, I can't even express. I, can't, I don't even have words to express how awful that was. And I say that, though, because I was at that time not abstinent. And I had been attending face-to-face OA meetings for five years and still had not worked my way through all the steps. Still could not stay abstinent. And, you know, God led me to vision for you. And in 2016, I got recovered. I got abstinent. I worked through the steps, and I began making amends to my husband. And I remember my first attempt to make amends to him. He basically echoed these words back to me and said, thanks, but you got a long way to go, baby. And um, I'm happy to say three minutes is enough time for me to say that today my marriage has totally turned around. And my husband not only enjoys my company, but he takes me places. And he even tells me what a good mother I am, what a good job I'm doing. Um, and that is that is nothing short of miraculous. Um, he enjoys my company. And uh, that is this program in action. That is God working. And uh, patience. It's taken four years to get from where we were to where we are. But I'm so glad I hung in there. Thanks. I'm going to pass. Thank you, Leslie W. And Marie S., it's your turn, followed by Dorita P. Please go ahead, Marie. Hi there. Good morning, Lynn. My name is Maria S. from Dublin in Ireland. I'm so grateful to your service and to be on the line today. And um, yeah, with all my fellows. And the word that jumps out to me here today is the word home. Um, yeah, I love my home. You know, I'm protective of my home and my family and the family that live within that structure because, yeah, it's a structure, but it's so much more than a structure, isn't it? Um, 
and it's a very different home I live in today than the one when I came into OA um, nine years ago. Um, my home has fallen apart, you know, um, relationships, every relationship within that home was in trouble. Um, and I walked into the rooms of OA and yeah, it says here, you know, that certainly he must keep sober. Um, that's the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. So that to me is to put down the food. And I came in and got abstinent very quickly within OA and started to work these steps. And putting down the food was somewhat easy to work in the steps, you know, because that's about change. That means change and changing my behavior. Yeah, changing how I was in relationships, changing yeah it's just changing and, and back to page 27 the big book where it just talks about that change um and just reminded of jim you know where yeah he he made a beginning you know didn't he he made the beginning but he failed to perfect and enlarge a spiritual life so that's what it's about for me today perfection and enlarging my spiritual life yeah and just uh looking up you know uh, definitions of home in the dictionary and you know it, it just says you know a place where people are loved respected and cared for and just looking at, at, at you know my home today and that's where I feel it's my home today and that's a miracle where we live where we yeah we respect each other we care for each other and it's a place of love and we're not perfect and not little house in the prairie but you know it's a good home today um, and that's as a result of this program that's a result of Overeaters Anonymous um absolutely and the gift of this program um that it's given me yeah absolutely absolute miracle so thanks lynn yeah thanks for listening to me today thank you <clears throat> thank you marie f and dorita p it's your turn please go ahead thank you moderator we are on the last paragraph 182 is that correct no, Dorita, we are on the second paragraph, if we have such com- no such complication. Oh, thank you, thank you. And my name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, if we have no such complica- complication, there's plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober for... There would be no home if he did doesn't. Um, but he is yet a long way from making good to a wife and parents whom for years he uh, has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patients mother and wives have had with alcoholics. Head does not been so. Many of us, yeah, uh, would not have homes today. Uh, would perhaps be dead. Yeah, I'm I'm real grateful uh, for this program. I'm real. Um, grateful to be sharing. I, I wasn't going to share, um, but I need to open my mouth sometimes. Um, and uh, I'm real grateful for this paragraph because, um, you know, I have to be, you know, abstinence is just the beginning, you know. Um, you know, I have to, I mean, I hurt so many people. Um, and you know, I used to be sarcastic and cynical, and um, and my whole demeanor was just, um, I don't know how to say it. I guess negative. Um, I used to gossip about people, um, and it, it was really bad, you know. Um, 
you know, not just being sarcastic. I mean, just getting smart with people. I mean, so today I try to um, act the opposite um, and be kind and loving and, you know, give people compliments. I love to give people compliments. And to see people smile, I like to make people laugh. And I'm just a different person today. And I'm just really grateful. Uh, and it's all due to this program. Um, you know, yeah, I lost 100 pounds, but um, that was just the beginning. Um, that That's just a byproduct. Losing weight is just a byproduct of uh, working this program. And I'm just so grateful I, I had a second chance, you know, to make things right with my family and, you know, just the people about me. Thank you. And thank you, Dorita P. We have time for two more shares. Who would like that time? Janet E. Janet E. Was that Kathy? Yes. And the initial of your last name, Kathy? G. Great. Okay. Janet E., please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Janet E. Gratefully recovered in Ecuador. Um, yeah. You know, getting abstinent and that, that is just the beginning. And I, I had a real demonstration of that yesterday when I went to my AA business meeting where there were, it was like a technicolor show of, of character defects flying around the room among sober people. Um, and what was where my recovery came in is that I had taken time to pray and meditate before that meeting, knowing that there's very strong personalities there that I've had to do temp steps around. And I came into that meeting centered and was able to keep my mouth shut and not get into um, kind of the hysteria of this particular meeting. I didn't roll my eyes. I didn't make any facial indications to my favorite friends to, that, to sort of secretly gossip with them. I didn't do any of it. I just sat and I felt neutral and I felt led by, led by, by my higher power. And that's sort of the living recovery today. That's just one example of stuff that would normally just make me crazy. So, yes, I'm abstinent, but this is a, a God-centered life, a, a higher power-centered life that I'm striving for today in all my affairs. And I have a job description, and that's to be of maximum service to my fellows. So I'm um, glad to have a moment to share, and I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Janet E. Kathy G., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thanks, Lynn, and good morning, everyone. This is Kathy G., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Illinois. I so enjoyed listening to the shares today. Thank you, everyone, for all that you bring to this line and this meeting. Um, I just wanted to come in for a second, um, just out of sheer gratitude for having been given a second chance in life, really in 1990, when I got set free from bulimia. Um, That was the first time I really skirted death. Um, and I must keep sober because I won't have a home and I won't have a life if I'm not. And I must not throw up 
food, no matter what. Um, I must not binge. I must not throw up. Those are those are like foundational items for me. And my sobriety has been cumulative over the years and just bit by bit by bit. God keeps refining, even in recovery, just keeps refining. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, so initially, just getting sober, and for me, you know, stopping the purging was um, just the first step. And then came the next step. All right, let's just show up at those meetings and try to be consistent at anything in my life because I didn't know how. And after that, it's like, okay, what are the main foods we're looking at here? Sugar has always been my bottom line. And so sugar was number one. Um, you know, and that took years, though. It took me um, years of just fighting, believing that, and fully surrendering. And it wasn't until 17 that I finally got clear with that. And now it's like I, st- I was still a long way in some ways because I still had to keep surrendering. So it just is so hopeful to me, you know, that that's the beginning. And, and each day as we come to the meeting, we get encouraged. We keep working the steps. We keep doing step 10 and we keep staying close to God. And so we have yet another chance today to stay abstinent and uh, glad to be here with all of you in that condition. So thanks so much. Have a great day. And thank you, Kathy G. And thank you to everyone who shared. And thank you to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share idea for today, Monday, January the 13th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 13960. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rethem please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Morning, then. Russ M. Recovered Compulsive Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.